tool, if you have a mic, you're supposed to turn it on and then it works. Sorry, guys, that was on me. Good morning. Glad you guys are here to worship with us at Church in the Valley. Uh, Today we are starting a new series called Everyday Missionary. My name is Alex Barrett and I'm the campus pastor here at Church in the Valley. And we're going to be spending the next four weeks talking about the crucial role Christ followers have uh, on this earth. And we just wrapped up a series the past four weeks called Sundays. And we've been talking uh, in those four weeks about what are the things that we do on a Sunday and what's the point of it, the why behind the what. For the next four weeks, we're going to shift gears and talk more about what is our role supposed to be uh, in our everyday world as we're at work, as we're relating to our family, at birthday parties, at neighbor's functions, any kind of aspect of our life where we're interacting with people, what's kind of the role that we're supposed to play uh, as we interact with the lives of, of other people. And so we're going to talk about this idea of being on mission for God and what we're supposed to do with our time and, and how we're supposed to view our free time and, and our resources and all things kind of related to that. Uh, I don't know when you were younger what kind of a job that you wanted to do. When I was younger, I wanted to be a pilot from like a really young age. I wanted to be a pilot. I thought that that would be like a really cool thing, get to fly planes for a living. And then somebody mentioned like to be a pilot, you actually have to know math. Like you you know math really well. That way you actually end up where you're supposed to go and you can kind of calculate things. And then as soon as I found out you had to be good at math, then I thought, I think I'm going to be a judge instead. Like let's shift careers. How many of you, any pilot, anyone want to be a pilot when they were younger? Okay, see, got a few. Any other like really lawyer, judge, anyone like at a young age, they knew my daughter, she, she kind of wanted to be a barista for a while. Like that was like, (laughs) let's make coffee. And as parents, me and my wife were like, sounds awesome. Okay. We were, we were behind that, but all that to say, oftentimes when we grow up, we're not thinking of something like a missionary. Like when I grew up, I want to be a missionary. For some of you, that may be the case. For some of the people that you know, that may have kind of been something they want to be from a young age. But for most of us, being a missionary is a term that connotates a group of people not like us. There are people that are in another place, and we kind of refer to them a lot of times as other type of people. It's not something that we usually kind of gravitate towards at a, at a young age. It's something kind of foreign. And because of that, some of the times we have these kind of views of a missionary that's actually not in line with the way God wants us to live our life. And so a lot of this series is talking about how do we actually define missionary in a way in the, that God intended us to. And for many of us, that idea of other people and out there in foreign places, foreign people, uh, that's where we get a lot of kind of our view of what a missionary is. But it's actually a lot more than that. There's a lot of different facets Beyond that, some of the definition of that comes from a missionary is someone who goes somewhere foreign with a goal to reach a group of people. That may be the definition that you have in your head. You have to go somewhere foreign to reach a group of people. That's what a missionary does. So you may look different, you may talk different, but you kind of go somewhere foreign. Actually, in the scriptures, some of that is true. There are people that have gone on mission for God in the Bible that you can read about, but also here today that go somewhere foreign to reach a group of people. But it's actually not just that in the scriptures. A missionary, in fact, is somebody who is sent. You're actually sent by God to go. 
And the go there can be in your own workplace. The go can be in your neighborhood where you live. Now, for some of us, it may be to be a missionary. We do go somewhere else and we do move and we do reach a group of people that are different than us. But to be a missionary, you're actually someone who is sent. This is the picture in the scriptures. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Not necessarily what it means to go somewhere foreign to reach a group of people, but actually how do we be people who are sent by God? And that's why we're calling this everyday missionaries. Every day, God is sending those who follow him, Christians, into their world to reach people. That's what it means to be a missionary. And we do that daily because daily there are opportunities to be sent by God to the places in which we go. We go to work a lot. We can be a missionary at the workplace. We interact with our friends a lot. We can be missionaries to our friends. We interact with our neighbors as we see them. We could be missionaries to them. And that's what you find in the scriptures. God is sending us into the world to interact with the lives of the lives of people. And we're not just going our own way. God is actually sending us. And we're going to speak a lot about well, what, what does that mean for us? As Christ followers, if you're not a Christ follower yet and you hear the word missionary, you may have thought, okay, how how do I get out of here? Right. How do I how do I leave this there? What's going to happen next? But if you if you're not a Christ follower, this will actually give you a picture of what it means to be a Christian. And hopefully it will also give a little bit more of a definition of what it means to be a follower of Christ and what that means for your life. And so whether you are a Christian or not, or kind of wherever you are on that spectrum, We hope that this will give you some insight, a clear picture of what it means to be somebody who decides to follow Jesus Christ. I want to talk about how this kind of shows up in the scriptures. And so if we're somebody that's sent, the kind of fuller picture of that is God sends us into our world as everyday missionaries. This is actually something that we have been told to do. It's not an option for those who follow Christ. It's a part of being a Christian. You are sent into your world as an everyday missionary. There are very many records in the scriptures of missionaries, people that decided to turn to follow Christ, turn away from going their own way. And really, they wanted to be a group of people that went in teams to tell others about Jesus as well. And this is really how Christianity spread. People were on mission as everyday missionaries in their everyday world. And all of a sudden, people started learning about Jesus and the difference he made. This was long after he left. People started hearing about the difference that Jesus had for the forgiveness of sins and all sorts of stuff began to spread and Christianity grew. And we're here today as a church because of people that were sent into their world as everyday missionaries. There's a certain responsibility that, that comes with that. Does that mean we're supposed to look a certain way or talk a certain way? Actually, it's so much deeper than that. And I want to kind of define that. Paul in the New Testament was an everyday missionary himself. The Apostle Paul wrote about two thirds of the New Testament. If you've been around church a while, you may have heard of him. He he's got a lot of the letters that he wrote to churches. And so he was this missionary and he started these churches and then he'd write these letters back to them, giving them instructions, giving them coaching. uh, Kind of like, how do I lead these people who are trying to figure out what it means to be missionaries as well in their own world? And so he describes his life. And how he wants people to view them. The reason this is important is this is the same definition that we need to use today as Christians. So as Paul defines what a Christian is and how we should be viewed, this is the same definition that we can use in today's world here and now. And you find it in 1 Corinthians 4, and this is what it says. So then, men ought to regard us 
as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. There's two key perspectives of an everyday missionary that Paul describes here. The first is an everyday missionary views themselves as a servant. And that word servant that he uses there, they used to they should regard us as servants. It's actually a picture of an under rower. Now, you're thinking, Alex, what is an under rower? Well, there's a movie that just came out this weekend based on an old movie that came out a long time ago called Ben-Hur. Anyone heard of it? Good. There's about three people. <laughs> the rest of you now are going to be interested to see it after this picture. Huh? Actually, you're now thinking, I rent it, Redbox, right? This, these are under rowers. These are people that are causing the ship to go. You don't see these people. As you could tell, they look pretty actually gnarly, right? Dirty, working, sweaty. They're not the captains of the ship. They're underneath rowing and they row when they're told to row and they roll strong when they're told to roll strong and they stop when they're told to stop. This is what a missionary is. You're a servant. You're this person that you're not steering the ship. You're not the captain. You're the under rower. You are the servant of Christ. You're underneath doing your part to move the mission forward. And so all this is Paul saying is we want people to View us not as heroes or as popular or as somebody that has status. We want you to view us as people who are underneath the ship doing our mission for Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a servant. How can we move the mission forward based on what Jesus tells us to do? So that's the first picture of an everyday missionary. We're we're servants. And that's how we want people to regard us. The second picture and perspective is we're stewards. So we're a servant, but we're also stewards. And that comes from this idea of we've been entrusted with the secret things of God. A steward acts on behalf of someone else. And they're usually given something to take care of, where it may be an estate, it may be a business, maybe a great accumulation of wealth. But as a steward, it's not yours. It belongs to somebody else. As Christ followers, we have been entrusted with the secret things of God. And then the second half says that we must be faithful with those things. So a steward, we're taking care of something that has been given to us. And in the scriptures, they're referred to as the secrets. And so we're going to spend today talking specifically about what those secrets are. But to be a faithful steward, who is also a servant as a missionary of Jesus Christ, our role to be faithful is we actually have to tell people about those secrets, because what makes a secret a secret is not everybody knows it, right? That's what makes it a secret. It's just not common knowledge. It's not intuitive. People don't just wake up and decide, like, I know what life is all about. I understand God's role for my life. I know my purpose. We don't wake up and just decide that at a certain age. We actually need it to be revealed to us. It needs to be told to to us through the lives of other people. And God reveals himself through the word himself, through the scripture. So we get a clear picture of this. But it happens through the lives of people who are servants and stewards of the secrets that God has given. So I want to talk about what those secrets are. So God has trusted us with secrets everyone needs to know. I don't know the kind of person that you were when you were younger, but when you were younger, you maybe had a friend that was like, I got to tell you a secret and don't tell anybody. 
And there's usually two types of people. Somebody tells you not to tell anyone and then you try to classify, well, what does anyone mean? Because like this person may need to know this. And then you may be the, the other type of person. That if somebody says a secret, you, you're like, I will die before I let that come out of my mouth. Now you decide which ones you are. Me, myself, I might have been more in the first category. But these secrets that God reveals to us are actually not secrets that we're supposed to keep to our grave. They're secrets that we actually need to share. And so who, who tells secrets? Well, friends do. Friends tell friends secrets. And that's the picture that we have of what a missionary is. We have secrets, we have knowledge, and we have information that the world needs to know. And we need to spend our life telling others about what these secrets are. And so what, what are these secrets? Well, the first secret that's revealed in Scripture is that God is not okay with us. Now, you may think, like, really, that's the first secret I'm going to lead with? You have a problem? Usually, like, when we feel someone's going to tell a secret, it's kind of like, man, I'm going to get, like, a piece of information which not everyone's going to know, and maybe it benefits me. Maybe I can, like, do something based on this secret, and it will give me a gain. But if somebody tells you a secret and you're kind of excited, like, I got to tell you a secret, like, this is so important. Can you wait after this service? And I'm going to tell you this. And, you know, the whole service, you're going to be thinking, like, I wonder what it is. Like, wow, is this bad? Is it good? And then somebody's just like, here's a secret. You got problems. And they walk away, right? But there's a sense in which at the core of why Jesus came is to reveal that we're actually not okay. That doesn't mean we have issues and something's wrong with us and we're going to just spend our life spinning our wheels, but there's a sense in which without doing God's will in our life and giving our life over to him, our life will not be complete. So the first secret is, is God is not okay with us. And I want to share a scripture that kind of talks about this in Isaiah 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Then it goes on. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. I first learned the second half of this passage a few years ago. It's this picture of like, you're not God. He doesn't think like you think. He doesn't do like you do. He's completely different. And that makes sense to me. I realize like, I'm not God. I don't have the capacity that he has. I don't have the power that he has. But there's a little part of us that we think like God sometimes is like human 2.0. Like he's not quite human. He's a little bit better. And so oftentimes when we think like we're not okay, we have a struggle with that because we think, well, I can't be that bad because I'm a good person. I can't be that bad because God made me, so I, I can't be that bad. And so we use kind of this ruler to kind of measure how good or how bad that we are. But the second half of this verse for that for my thoughts are speaking to this idea that we are actually sinful people. 
And as humans, we are marred by sin. There's nothing that we can do that can fix the stain of sin on our life with ourselves. We can't be better. We can't do better. We can't think better. We're messed up. There's nothing any human can do or any institution can do that can fix us from the sin problem that we have. And this is the reminder. His ways are higher. His thoughts are completely different. So the gap between me and God is is huge. And so he measures his ruler and his view of evil based on himself. And so when you line me up next to God, I do have problems because I'm not him and I mess up. And I don't treat people right and I don't say what I should. And so I do have a problem. So at the core of us, sometimes we look at our own ruler. Well, I'm not this person. Like picture the most evil person you could think of. If it's Osama bin Laden or maybe it's Hitler and you just you have this picture like, well, that I'm not that person. On a human ruler, that's true. But on God's ruler, we're actually messed up people. But there's a core of the secret that we need help. Without realizing that we need help, it's really difficult to turn to God. Because if we don't need help and we don't think we have a problem that needs to be fixed, then why do we need him? We don't. And so this first secret is so critical. We have we have a problem. Secret number two is we cannot hide our sin. Now, I, I've shared this before over the last few years. I have young kids and one of our like most popular games is hide and seek. And as they get older, it gets like a little bit wider radius for where they try to hide. So we have to set parameters. Like, okay, we can play hide and seek outside, but you have to hide in Alhambra. Okay, like hide in Alhambra. That way I don't have to call the police. You know, when they were younger, we would hide and hide and seek. And, and it would look kind of like this. Like, right? Like that's. To a, a young two-year-old, that's like the best hiding ever, right? It's like, you can't see me. Can't see me. Open your eyes. Oh, you're all there. But this is actually what we try to do with sin. We have kind of this thing that we want to cover, and we try to kind of fit underneath it. And see, God, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I know I may not have it all together, but I'm okay. And I'm just going to try to hide my sin. But... The second secret is you actually cannot hide your sin. There's things that you have done that no one else may know, but God knows. And that's why the first secret is so important, because his thoughts and his ways and his intentions and his knowing is greater than any other person. He sees everything. So God's not okay with us. We have kind of a sin problem. Then connected to that, we actually can't hide it. And there's going to be a day where God's going to take his ruler, his view of what is right and his view of what is wrong, and he's going to measure everything. So it doesn't necessarily matter what my ruler is. It matters what his ruler is. And this is the case you see in Romans 2.16. It says, talking about this, when God is going to wrap up history and Jesus is going to come back, it says, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. So every intention, every thought, any action, anything that we've ever done is going to be 
shed into the light. Everything that was hidden will now be seen. Does that make you a little bit uncomfortable? It does me. There's a thought where I'm like, like, does everything mean everything? It's kind of like, is a secret a secret? But everything is going to be exposed. Nothing is hidden. But the good news is there's four secrets. Christianity would actually be the most depressing thing that anyone was ever a part of. It was like, you have a problem and you can't hide. Enjoy your life. Do you think people would actually want to turn to Jesus Christ? No. Because the picture is complete. As we all know, once we have a problem, if we admit it, which sometimes takes a while, once we admit we have the problem, then we actually want to find the solution. So here's the problem, the first two secrets. God's not okay. And we can't hide. So the third secret is that Jesus is the only solution to our core problems. So these are the secrets that have been revealed to those who follow Jesus. And not everyone knows them. But Jesus is the only solution to our core problems. People see Jesus as a great teacher or historical figure. But he's actually so much more than that. Only he can forgive. Only he can make the things right that we've messed up. Only he can make the things right that people have messed up for us. Jesus is the only one that can forgive. So he is the solution and the answer to the first two secrets. Second Corinthians 5.21 says this. For our sake, he made him to be sin. He's talking about Jesus who knew no sin. He was perfect so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In scriptures, there's no denying that we need help and there's no denying that we are sinful people. That's like reiterated again and again and again and again. We need help. What the scripture is saying is the good news is Jesus Christ came to help with our sin problem, not only to help, but to make us right before God. That's what it means. The righteousness of God. He made the fact that we couldn't hide our sin and the fact that we're not okay. He made it so that we actually could be made right before God. That's why Jesus Christ is so important. If you've ever gotten this point, it's like, why did people talk about Jesus so much? It's because of this. He's the only solution to the core problems we have in this life. It doesn't come any other way. Even if we're really smart, we're really rich, we have everything together, we can't be made right before God without Jesus Christ. That's the fact. So all three of these are secrets that the world needs to know. And then Colossians 2 speaks about the, the need to tell people, and this is what it says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So he wanted them to grow in the mystery, which is Christ. He wanted them to understand more of who Jesus was, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here the picture of Jesus is becoming even more clear. He's a mystery, which means not everyone knows who he is. And if you're a Christ follower, that makes sense to you. Because if you ever talk to somebody about Jesus, sometimes they have a reaction, which is, Jesus, really? Jesus? 
Like, I mean, how could he be perfect? How could he be killed and, and rise again? How could he really be God? And there's all sorts of questions and hesitations that have. Here's the good news about God. He's patient and gracious. So even in our questions, he allows us to try to get to know him better. And as we get to know him better, some of the mystery becomes a little bit more clear. But this mystery speaks to the fact that knowing these secrets is not intuitive. You actually have to be told. And that's why Christians have to be these missionaries that have the secrets and tell them to others. Because Jesus Christ is a mystery. But then the second part of that speaks to what happens when that mystery is uncovered. It's like a treasure box. When people actually decide to follow Jesus Christ, when they actually learn who he is and get to know him and get to experience him, he's like this treasure that is found. And in it comes understanding and wisdom and knowledge. It's this picture of life begins to make sense for the first time. Life begins to come together. Christians are not perfect and they don't have perfect lives and problems still happen. Cars break down. Kids get sick. Death still happens. Life is not a fairy tale. But we have a treasure in Jesus Christ of wisdom and knowledge that gets us through the very things that are difficult to overcome. So he is the solution, which leads to the last secret. Secret number four. Humility unlocks the secrets. Humility unlocks the secrets. Matthew 13, 11 through 15 or 11 and 15 says this. And he answered them to you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes. They have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So there's this kind of two groups of people. There are people that have heard about the mystery of Jesus Christ. They've heard that they have a problem. They've heard that they can't hide their sin and they decide like to my problem. If the Bible says the only solution is Jesus Christ, then I am going to give my life over to him. I'm going to lay it all on the line in faith. And believe that that is true. But this scripture is talking about another group of people. And it describes them as this, their heart is dull. They can't hear. They can't see. It's like there's this mystery and there's this, this veil over their eyes. And it's like they're blindfolded. And they're just can't see. They can't see the truth of the secrets that have been revealed. And then the second part of that speaks to. What is needed should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal. And that idea of, of turn, it's this humility. It's this idea of like, OK, I've heard this. And I don't believe this is a good idea. I'm actually going to turn and decide to give my whole life to Jesus Christ. His priorities are going to become my priorities. His goals are going to become my goals. Everything in me, I'm going to hand over to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. He becomes the boss of every part of your life. He gets to call the shots. But for that to happen, you have to have humility. Now, humility goes both ways. Humility is key for the person who hears the secrets. Because let's face it, 
If you tell somebody this secrets, which is really our goal, it's going to be hard to hear that you have a problem. It's also going to be hard that you can't hide it. And then it may be hard to hear that Jesus is the only way to overcome it. We're complex people. There's always another option, right? I love like maps and those of you that know me, like I'm really, really directionally challenged. And like, I don't say that like to make a joke. Like it's, it's a problem. And on my phone right now, my GPS is not working. And so literally like I've been places that I've been and like, I don't know how to get home. Now I'm not saying like, I need to like call emergency services. There's been some times I'm like, I don't even know where I am. And I'm like in Pasadena, you know, like this is embarrassing. But one of the things when GPS is working on Google Maps, right, is, is that you can choose or on. Uh, what's the other map? No, there's another one. It's Waze. Thanks. Whoever said that Waze, where you can choose like alternate routes. Right. And so it's like, I don't want to go that way. I'm going to, and you, you know, four alternate routes. So we like that. We like options. It's like, well, I don't want to take an hour. I'm going to take an hour and a half, but it'll be more scenic. That's also another type of person. They'll take the scenic route. But with this, with following Jesus Christ and dealing with our sin, you cannot press alternate route and it get you to the right destination. There is no other way. And people have to humble themselves to believe that that is true. Because there's something in us, and this is part of our sin problem, where we think there has to be another way. And I'm pretty sure I can hide what I want to hide. But it's only when we humble ourselves does the treasure box open. And we're allowed to see all the treasure that's inside there. And humility is also needed for those who share. Because if you follow Christ, you realize that you still live a messed up life and things get unraveled a lot in your life and your relationships, they get messed up and your plans don't always happen. And we get angry about that. We have to deal with our own sin. So to share the secrets, we share them as people that we live this ourselves. We know that a lot of times we're sinning and we're having to make that right. We realize that we often want to hide from God and we have to stop doing it. And more importantly, we realize that God has saved us and we're in the same boat as everyone else that we're sharing with. So humility is needed not only for the people that hear the secrets, but for those who share them. And when this happens, people get the clear picture of what the scriptures are saying. So humility unlocks the secrets. I want to kind of close out. Going back to the verse that we started with, the steward, the servant, and being faithful, 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what does this look like. Next week, we're going to talk about some key perspective of how we view people. So, as a missionary, how should we see the people that we interact with in our life? From up close and from a distance. How should we see them? And then what does God want us to do to bridge the gap that exists between me and someone else? So that's next week. The week after, we're going to talk about how does the role of the church in teaming up together 
have in being a missionary. And what you find in scripture is we were never meant to be missionaries by ourselves. We're not supposed to be sent out alone. It's supposed to be in a group of people. Then we're going to close out the service really talking more about how do we do it. So we're talking a lot about perspective, but also the the how-to. But it really is connected to this whole idea that we have been given these secrets. We have been given knowledge. God has revealed it to us. And we need to be faithful stewards to tell others about them. So I want to close out the service just giving you some some next steps to begin just to get your your mind around that. Each week at Church in the Valley, we, we do next steps, which is how do you take something that you've heard today and put it into your life? That's the key. How do you live it out? And certainly this is something practical to do because we're saying we have this to tell others. And so I want to encourage you to take some next steps on your connection card that Jeremy had you fill out. If you can pull that out right now, and if you've not yet finished filling that out, go ahead and do that. And on the back side of the card, there are some next steps that you can take. And so as I, as I go through them, I encourage the band to come out, come up. They're going to lead us in a closing song. But here are the next steps. The first one is, for the first time, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and commit my life to follow him as Lord. If you've come to the place where you believe that these secrets are true and you believe yourself that you actually need to give your life over to Jesus Christ and you've never done that or you're not sure what that means and you don't know if he is the boss or he's kind of the boss like and you just need help with that. If you check that on your connection card, we'll get in touch with you. We'll send you some information and we'll we'll help you get a picture of what that means. So we want to just start there. If, If you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, you can decide to do that today. And so you may want to mark that Uh, for the second next step. Where do you go every day that God is sending you to be a missionary at the work, school, family, neighborhood? Maybe as I've been speaking, you've like people have come up in your mind. You just have a picture of them. Like this is somebody that I need to be a missionary to. And just pick what arena that is. Is it at the workplace? Is it in your neighborhood? Is it in your family? Is it at your school? And so you can circle that. And then the third next step is pray for those in your circle of influence every day this week. Maybe you've actually never really prayed for the people in your life that don't know these secrets. That would be a good prayer. God, pray. I pray that these people will have a chance to hear hear these secrets. And if it's your will, that I be the person to tell them. And just pray for their well-being. Pray for their life. As you begin to pray for the people that God's put in your life, your heart actually begins to grow love for them more and more. And so it may just be you need to begin praying for these people. So go ahead and mark one of those next steps down. And then we're going to be receiving the offering. You can drop that completed uh, connection card in there. Let's pray together. God, thank you for revealing to us the hidden secrets of your kingdom. Not only showing us who we are and the reality of our human condition, but also providing us the solution for it. Uh, You did not leave us hanging. You did not abandon us. But you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Jesus paid the price for our sin problem. And to that, we are deeply, deeply grateful. No words can describe the gift of Jesus Christ and, and what he means to us. God, I pray that you'll put people on our hearts 
just help us to picture the people in our lives that need to hear these secrets. And God, give us the opportunity to be faithful. So we ask for your help. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen.